Welcome to Handwriting Secrets Revealed on TalkZone.com, the show that's all about handwriting analysis. Now, here's your host, Dave Grayson. You are at the right place, Handwriting Secrets Revealed. I'm Dave Grayson, and we're here to talk about handwriting analysis. We're going, we're going to cover three topics today. One, belief in your future and some letters that help you in that. Uh, we're going to talk about... Uh, actually two handwriting analysts about uh, how to do an analysis very quickly when you just see a handwriting and come up with some things. Many analysts are afraid to do what we call a, an on-the-spot analysis. Then we're going to talk about uh, document examination. It's another section of handwriting analysis, and these people deal with lawyers, and they're often uh, expert witnesses in court, and it's a very lucrative field. There's always a lot of openings in this field because there aren't many question document examiners. And again, as I said, it's very lucrative. You can make 15,000 or 1,500 a day very easily by being a court specialist. Uh, just want to remind you to check out our website, handwritingsecretsrevealed.com. And there you're going to learn some things about how to avoid a $50,000 hiring mistake, how to find out what employers know about you, uh, about how a small investment can help you prevent a disaster in a relationship, compatibility, to get along with your spouse or friend, get to know the real you to understand yourself better. You'll find out some things about uh, how to get a vocational analysis. That's a big graph and a chart that shows you your strengths and weaknesses and what field you would fit in best, whether it might be mechanical, artistic, business, and so on. Another one is about children's handwriting. If you want to help your child improve their grades or you're in college and want to improve your own, that's something to look at. And genealogy, you'll find out some information about a loved one from past years, and then you could stimulate your brain, not by drugs or medicine or anything else, but by learning cursive. And we're going to have an expert on in a couple of weeks about uh, cursive handwriting. And they're finding more and more about the relationship between cursive handwriting and the use of the brain. But I'd like to start this uh, today's program about beliefs and creating your future. Some people believe that they'll always be poor. If you believe rich people are selfish and evil, you'll never become one. It wouldn't seem right. Some people believe everyone with wealth is just lucky or born with a silver spoon. That belief keeps you from making lots of money, whether you are talented or not. Of course, most people will never admit we have control over our beliefs, but we do. They just argue to prove what they believe is right. Richard Bach, the famous author, says, argue your limitations, and sure enough, they are yours. Whatever you believe, you will find evidence to support that belief. The first step is in changing your lot in life is to choose new beliefs. You may have to let go of old ones first, and that's sometimes a difficult part. For example, it is very common to find a woman with a low T-bar, that was a crossing on the T-bar that's very low, and maybe other things like a large D-loop sensitive and fears, uh, 
Unfortunately, it is common to discover she has been a victim of some kind of spousal abuse. Unconsciously, she may have attracted a man in her life that actually has these violent tendencies. Now it's hard to say which came first, the chicken or the egg, but it's actually an ongoing pattern. Many women continually attract men who abuse them. It's not that they deserve to be beaten. No one deserves that. It's partly because they have a belief that says that's how relationships are supposed to go. Men just treat women that way. That's their belief. There are two ways to handle this problem. She could learn handwriting and always avoid the guys with violent strokes in their handwriting. The only downfall with this approach is that she will be avoiding everyone that she is probably unconsciously attracted to. Because for some deep-rooted reason, she's attracted to men who do that. So in order to change that kind of man that she is attracted to, she has to change herself. The first step, of course, is to do whatever it takes to raise the self-image. Also, she must change her beliefs about being a victim and her beliefs about men and relationships. If she improves her self-image, everything will begin to fall into place. As Forrest Gump says, so that's enough about that. And I'll end the discussion of negative topics, but the point is, if your life isn't the way you want it to be, you must change your beliefs about what is possible. And that's true with change your handwriting, change your life. Napoleon Hill said, we are what we think about. If you think about being rich, you will think and grow rich. And if you're not happy with the amount of money you're making, the relationships you have, or whatever, it's because at some point in the past, you decided that's the way it's supposed to be. Now, you probably didn't make a decision out of the clear blue sky. Most of us wouldn't make a conscious decision to be poor, or to be lonely, or to be upset. But that's what happens by default, because we don't make another decision to supersede that negative thought. You need to make those decisions now. If you want to change your life, there are many things you can do. But the first step is to take a really good snapshot of how you are right now and notice where you may fall short. I'm not talking about this concept from an empirical point of view saying, hey, I'm perfect. I know I still have areas to improve, but I can honestly tell you I have very few personality issues holding me back like I did many years ago before I learned about handwriting analysis. So change your handwriting, change your life can be so valuable for so many reasons. You can improve the odds of success and happiness with a few strokes of the pen. Did you know that your handwriting is a window into your inner personality? Yes, it's true. We've said that many times. Your handwriting tells a lot about you, your skills, your talents, your ambitions, and your dreams, even things about you that you may not be aware of. That's why leading organizations such as the FBI and Fortune 500 companies use handwriting to profile people. They know that handwriting is reliable and it's a good way of assessing, of, of assessing a person's personality. Now, we say it's profiling, but it's not racial profiling or sexually profiling because it does not discriminate. 
Handwriting will not tell the person age. It does not tell the person gender. It does not tell the person race. It does not tell whether they're right-handed or left-handed, what type of religion or no religion at all. But like many inborn traits or genetically determined characteristics that can't be changed, you can change your handwriting. And that is means that you can change your life. Imagine. You can't change the color of your eyes or how tall you are, but you can change your handwriting, and that can alter the course of the future. More and more study in the brain and relationship to the connection of the brain to the muscles and the fine motor control of the fingers. If your handwriting now says that you are unreliable and lazy, you can adapt a new handwriting style that says you are trustworthy and hardworking, and it allows you to become so. Because as you write like a successful person, write like a leader, then that will become a part of your personality. Handwriting changes can actually lead to personality changes. It's been proven over and over again. That's one of the little-known secrets of handwriting. The external handwriting leads to internal change. Or to put it another way, the way you are change, the way you change is based on the way you write. So sloppy writing tells you something about somebody and very neat and fancy writing says something else. Doesn't necessarily, if it's sloppy, make it a negative person, but it does say things about your uh, organizational skills and your type of approach to different things. Change your handwriting, change your life is a very powerful statement as it gives you the ability to direct your life in any way you want. Unlike other methods of changing behavior that can take years to implement, handwriting we can change within about 30 days. Now, we can change everything within 30 days, but we take one or two traits and work on those for up to about 30 days. That's kind of the proven number. You're not going to go from a Mr. Hyde to a Dr. Jekyll overnight. There are specific steps involved, and it takes time. But if you're not getting all the success you want, handwriting change may be the best way for you to improve the odds. You don't have to go through years of therapy. You don't need a, to meditate on mountaintops. You don't need the latest rah-rah motivational seminar or speaker. You don't need to buy expensive self-help programs. All you need to do is model the kind of good handwriting associated with the type of person you want to be, and the rest will follow. Slowly but surely, your life will fall into line the way you want it, and it'll fall in line according to your handwriting, the handwriting you display. You are not talking about penmanship here. We are not talking about how to write so that you, the person you can be, that you want to be, it's not foolproof, but it's about as effortless as it gets. Everybody learns a certain type of alphabet in school. It might be Danelian, it might be Spencerian, it might have been the Palmer method. And then we deviate from that. Or I know I've talked to many people when said when they were students in school, they had a teacher they really liked. And on the board, the teacher made maybe a unique L or a unique H or maybe unique capital A. And that they tried to copy that because they wanted to be like that person. It's the same thing in life. If you want to be like a successful person is, then write the way they do. 
Not exactly, not precisely, because you can't be that person, but you can take their traits, their talents, their abilities that make them who they are. One great thing you can do is change your signature to change who you are. Your signature is how you want to appear to the world. So when you sign your name, that's how you appear to every, you want to appear to everybody else. But that may not be who you are. Or maybe you want to change how you appear to other people. We can do that by changing your signature. That's a little more difficult, not more time consuming, but more difficult because when you try to change your signature, you're going to find other things in your writing that come out. Maybe a little bit of anger, maybe a little bit of hostility, maybe a little frustration. That's at first because what you're doing is you're changing something that's very, a very part of you and that's your signature. But your signature controls a lot of information about you. And to change the signature takes a little bit of time, a little effort, but it's the best way to start to improve yourself by changing your signature. So think of that. But your handwriting reveals character traits that you can shape and you can make yourself into somebody else. There's 144 personality traits that we can look at. And a lot of them have to do with the letter O, the letter A, the letter B, the letter D, the Y, the K, the H, just certain letters the way they're made. Now, I'm sure you know that you've seen many, many people with different handwritings, and over your life you've seen many handwritings that look totally different. Well, that's because the personalities of somebody is totally different. Somebody does not write the way they were taught in the Danelian alphabet because they're not like that person who designed the alphabet. That's for teaching purposes. You're your own individual, so your own writing is unique. That's why when we talk later about document examination, how in court the signature is so important because it's a known fact that, uh, and a scientific fact that nobody signs their signature exactly the same twice. And that's usually where forgeries are caught because they try to make an exact signature. They'll use a a tracing table, they'll use a light table, they'll use a computer, and try to create that exact same signature. And as soon as the analyst can prove to the court that both signatures are 100% the same, the trial's over. It's finished. Because it's agreed by the court system and by scientific fact that nobody signs their signature the same twice. So that's why if you try to alter your signature, it makes a lot of difference in your life. We're going to take a little break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about how to make a quick analysis, and we're going to talk directly to handwriting analysts. I'll be back in just a few moments. Let's return to Handwriting Secrets Revealed on TalkZone.com. Here's your host, Dave Grayson. Uh, thank you, Ed. We'd like to take this uh, time to talk to a handwriting analyst uh, directly. Uh, to do a professional analysis, it takes about 30 or 40 minutes to sit down and look at the handwriting and measure the size, the, the, the slant, uh, look at the spacing, the margins, the letters. 
And once you do that, spend that amount of time, as all handwriting analysts know, then you have to take time to type it all up. And so to do a professional analysis, it could take an hour, an hour and a half, and that's usually what a professional does is take that amount of time. That's why when you see analysis, maybe somebody will charge $75, $150. It's not that they're ripping you off. It takes quite a while to do that. Now, you can find some places where they'll they'll do it for $10 by you type in a few things and print out a computer printout, but but that's not a true analysis. They're just uh, not giving you a fair advantage at that point because you have to put all these things together to make a nice little package. But there's another thing that handwriting analysts are often asked to do, and that's would you take a look at my handwriting and tell me something about myself? Most analysts don't like to do that because they like to study it over and take time and and uh, make sure it's right. But sometimes we have to do the quick analysis. If you're looking to promote yourself somewhere or you're applying for a job as an analyst, you can't take an hour and a half and look at somebody's writing this interview and you would say something. You have to tell them some things right away. So I'd like to talk about um, three steps that are used to make a kind of an incident, instant analysis. In other words, take a look at the handwriting and be able within just a couple minutes to tell that person a few things about their handwriting. Don't be afraid of it, handwriting analyst. It's, it's, you're not giving them a full professional thing. You're just giving them some ideas. I like to call this the quickie. And I borrowed that term, quickie, from a great analyst, Phyllis Mattingly. Uh, it was a real sight to see. She was 80 years old, six foot two, silver-haired woman. She'd lean over to a stranger in an airplane or in the airport or at a restaurant and say, "Hey, I'll give you a quickie for ten bucks. What do you say, handsome?" And she'd wink. And that's a true story. She did that. I don't suggest you begin doing quickies for money just yet, but work up to that. I suppose it's economics. I have probably performed a lot more quickies than Phyllis has, but she's cashed a lot more $10 checks over the years than I have. I do a lot of quickies. I find them very helpful, and um, it sells yourself very well. When you ask for a sample of handwriting, one of the first things they will say is, what do I write? And then many animals will say, oh, well, duh, well, that's usually your first reaction. But what you should say is your preconceived sentence that you always say. In other words, have something in mind you want them to write. So there's something you'll never forget. I have two sentences that I usually have them write. If you're not welcome, or if you are welcome to use them, you're not kept from using them. They're not copyright or anything else. You can use them at your leisure. One is, the purple people eater at the zoo said, I want you and your silly monkey to go home. Now, they all look at me like I'm crazy, and then they burst out laughing and say, okay, the purple people eater. Well, then they start to write it. It's, it's giving, by giving them a nonsense sentence causes them not to think about the handwriting analysis to be done. It relaxes the brain and puts the brain in neutral position. Though it happens, they'll forget, well, what's the next part? Then I feed them at the zoo. And in this way, they're thinking more of 
of writing the words down than, than it's being analyzed. And from that sentence, I have their undivided attention and lots of free information because I have T's, a lot of letter P's, a lot of letter Y's, a lot of O's. I have all the important letters I need. And it's a fun sentence, but it's a quick way to get the letters that you could come out and say something. If you're in a hurry, just have them write, you and your silly monkey don't go home to the zoo, but I will. The first reason I use this is I like to have the capital letter I because to look at the size of their ego, that's what the capital I is. It's how you feel about yourself. So obviously, the bigger the personal pronoun I, the larger their sense of self. Not the I in the word will or the I in the word silly, but the personal pronoun I. And another great aspect of the letter I is it reveals the current relationship status with their parents. It is really impressive, and you know things like you're leaving your father completely out of your life, You know, I said that once to a waitress when she asked me to do one, and and she got very upset when I looked at her eyes and said, you know, you've kind of put your father completely out of your life. Well, apparently her dad passed away about six months ago, and I thought, oh, that was too bad. But usually the, the first loop on the capital I indicates the mother image, and the second or the bottom loop is a father image. And again, it just, that's a broad term. Handwriting analysts know what I'm talking about, but it's it's something we can't explain uh, here on the program. But the personal pronoun I tells you a lot about yourself, plus it tells about your relationships between your mother and father, of your relationship with your mother and your relationship with your father, Plus, it can also sometimes tell the relationships between your mother and father. If that if that affects you, it's going to be shown in the capital I. Those two sentences, I usually have them right. And sometimes they hesitate, and they might say something like, Yes, but I don't know cursive. I only print. And you say, Well, okay, print half of it, and then write cursive at half of it. I know you remember how to write cursive. And they will say, no, I don't remember. And then say, well, can you sign your name? And they always say, yes, sure, I can sign my name. And then I'll say, well, sign your name and then start writing you and your silly monkey. So sign your name and then start writing. Uh, Because it's really, it's like riding a bicycle. Once you start, you remember how it it is, and you could you can then go into cursive. It might be a little more wobbly, but you're still going to get the the good O's and the Y's and the letters that you want. The second step in doing a quick analysis is to pick it up and look at it, and that's the simple part. You look at the most obvious thing that pops out. For example, if they've got extra huge lower looped Y's. The letter Y is a huge loop at the bottom. That's probably one of the most exaggerated parts of their personality. So that's something that stands out to them. It's like someone walked up and their hair was six feet inches tall, purple, spiked. You would notice that first because it's making a statement. 
So whatever part of their handwriting is jumping out at you, that's what you should look at first. And if it's jumping out, it probably has a specific meaning and a part of their life. An example of the trait that may jump out of the letter T. Let's say that the T bar is really long and to the right and on top. A high cross T bar reveals a number of things. It reveals confidence, ambition, ability to plan ahead, high goals, high personal standards, and a real good self-image. Now, now I think we begin to see if I cross over why for non-handwriting people, you can see where graphotherapy, change your handwriting, change your life can make a difference. If that's the most important part of their T-bar, you know this person is a go-getter, very ambitious, will go far in the company or will be able to start their own company. The person likes himself. He's ambitious. He's got these high girl goals, these high personal standards. The person really is impressed with himself, not in a negative way, but in a powerful way. Everyone likes to hear good things about themselves. What if you buy, find some bad things? And we always do find bad things in the writing. If their T-bar is very low, that doesn't mean the opposite. It means uh, really that they have a low self-esteem. It's not that they're not necessarily ambitious in those other things, but they're not going to achieve it as easily because they have a low self-esteem. Don't look at the person and say bluntly, hey, you've got low self-esteem, your self-image is lower than uh, just anything, and it's like you're at the bottom of the ocean. You don't say that, but you do tell the truth by being diplomatic. I might say something like you look in the mirror and you see the imperfections, I look at you and I see a good-looking man or woman, but because you could boost yourself, your self-esteem, you can't do it now. You could do it, but you're not doing it now, so you settle for second best, and you stay in bad relationships or crummy jobs way too long. It isn't reality, it's perceptions. So they perceive themselves as not being talented enough or good enough. Believe me, their jaw will hit the floor. You've just outlined one of the biggest problems in their life. They don't have enough confidence. If it's the T-bar is very low, it's low self-confidence. And by doing that, you can really help a person greatly. Um, so the low the T-crossing tells us so many different things with the handwriting. And, and as I talked earlier, and I keep going back to the fact Change your handwriting, change your life. It's so important. You can actually take these traits that you have that are poor and improve them, and you will find more success. The one thing also in children that keeps them down is that low T crossing, where the if the, the, the word the, T-H-E, and the T crossing is as low as the E or lower than the E in the word the, uh, they're just not going to do well, but they compensate for it. They will tell themselves, I can't pass this test. I'll never pass a spelling test Saturday or Friday, excuse me. So when they don't pass the test on Friday, they say, yes, I won. I told you I wouldn't pass it. So a low T-bar is is something that affects the whole personality because it keeps you down there. 
You convince yourself you can't find the right person. It convinces yourself you can't get the right job. It convinces yourself you can't find person that the personality that you like. It proves that you can't pass something, you can't do something, you can't achieve the goal, you can't make the team. So the low T bar is something that's very, very important and stands out. We'll talk about uh, a few more things. Uh, we're going to take a little break. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to Handwriting Secrets Revealed. Let's return to Handwriting Secrets Revealed on TalkZone.com. Here's your host, Dave Grayson. Thank you. And right now we're talking to handwriting analysts about how to do a quick analysis to just look at uh, somebody's handwriting and come up with it. You know, this can be very lucrative. Uh, A lot of times uh, organizations and clubs want somebody to come and present a program, and you can sit in a corner and and either charge a bulk price or per person and just do a quick analysis on them. But many, 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 actually most handwriting analysts don't like to do this. They'd rather do the real professional uh, analyses, and that's important. You want to do the professional analysis. If you don't do a professional analysis or know how to do one, you're never going to be able to do one of these quick ones because um, it takes a uh, a little agility in the mind, but once you've done a number of professional analyses, then kind of this falls into place. The other thing you've got to learn is how to phrase something. You just can't throw out things and say, well, you're argumentativeness and you're uh, fearful and you're jealous. You just can't say those things because people, everybody has a different idea and argumentativeness. You know, I might argue argue all the time just for the sake of arguing and be a jerk. Somebody might argue because it's very important to them. It's their their beliefs. It's their philosophy. So you need to learn how to talk about the different traits, and that's probably the easiest way to learn how to do a quick analysis is to learn how to discuss the different traits. We talked about the low T bar, the low T bar which uh, shows very low self-esteem. Another major trait that will jump out at you and is is really the the big red flag, and that's the letter D with the big loop on the right side. When it's have the D, the loop that goes up is very broad. It's someone who's very sensitive to criticism. This was one of the health traits that we described several programs ago. We talked about the five health traits. The biggest one is a sensitive to criticism, the big looped D. After you have pinpointed one or two traits that really jump out, then you want to look at the slant. The slant is what people call left-handedness or right-handedness. The truth is you can't tell which hand they wrote it with, and you really don't care. It doesn't make any difference whether it's written with the left hand or the right hand because it's brain writing, and brain is controlling either the left hand or the right hand. Some people can write with their ambidextrous. They can write with both hands. So with the handwriting analysis, we can't tell whether it was left-handed or right-handed. But with the left slant, a lot of people see that 
writing going backwards that they think, oh, that person's a left-hander. Nothing could be farther from the truth. Could have been, but we don't know that by seeing the left slant. Some people consider the behavior of an introvert very similar to the person who is emotional withdrawn. So the left slanted writing can be someone who tends to be more introverted. An extrovert is similar to emotional responsiveness, but there are some distinctions in those related on how people express their feelings rather than just how they interact in a group. An introvert and extrovert, they can be an introvert in a group, but very extroverted in a very close group of friends. So there's a lot more involved in saying, oh, that person's introvert or extrovert. Um, a person who is extroverted with their few close friends don't feel that they're an introvert at all, but other people will view them as that. An ambivert, which is a $5 word, uh, basically means gets along well with extroverts and introverts. The root word is similar to ambidextrous, good with both hands. So the ambivert is someone who gets along equally well with expressive people, even maniac depressive types, and really logical poised people. So if you find the middle of the road slanted handwriting kind of straight up and down, then that's where you are. You have middle of the road emotions, not too far in either direction. The emotional responsive person writing that's very far to the right is one of my favorite ones to talk about because they're so dramatic. They are actors and actresses, and the whole world is their stage. They're always up. You can ask them a question, and even if they don't know the answer, they'll give you an answer and sound like it's a known answer. They're the ones whose emotions go high and low. Their emotions sweeps them off their feet. That's often why they're very dramatic actors, because they can get very high, then they get very sad and deep and low, and that's the way the personality is. What you don't want to do is get into mass detail on slant at this point, because without knowing all the five slants, there's really seven or eight slants, without understanding how to measure them with what we call an emotional gauge, you can make mistakes or errors, so be careful with the slant, but you can assume a few minor introvert and extrovert things. You see, the slant reveals the basis of the personality. The first thing we look at, we well, second thing, the first thing when you get a handwriting and look at it, you'll view the overall picture. What does it appear like? What does it look like? And then you look at the slant, and that gives you how they react to people, how they react to places, and how do they react to things. And so you need to know what the emotional response would be. And once you know what the emotional response would be, then you can much easier be able to understand the other 99 to 144 traits, how they interact within the personality. Let's say you look at someone's handwriting and reveals temper. Well, whether they ever express the temper or not, depends upon which of the five slants they really are. And that's where you start getting into the sophistication of stacking or putting the traits together. If you want to be 100% accurate all the time, you must learn more and, and, and do more professional analyses. 
a temper. If it's a far-right slant and a person shows temper, they're going to show their temper because they're very emotional, very dramatic, very outgoing. If the rioting is pretty much straight up and down and they have a temper, they're going to be pretty good at controlling their temper because a straight up and down rider is more in control of their emotions and their feelings. So they might have temper and it's seething inside, but they're not going to express it. They're not going to show it. They're not going to slap back. They're not going to yell back. They're not going to scream back. But inside is going to upset their stomach. If it's a left slanted riding and a person has temper, well, they're going to think about it. How do I lo- react with this person? Is it somebody I like or don't like? Is it somebody I should show my anger to? Or is it somebody I shouldn't show my anger to? So the slant, as handwriting analysts know, is the most important part of doing an analysis. The, the most important part of seeing what the person looks like is looking at the slant. So let's review the three-step process of the doing the quick analysis. First, get the sample of handwriting in cursive. That can sometimes be difficult, especially nowadays, where many school districts are not teaching cursive. They're teaching printing, sometimes in first and second grade. But then they go right to the keyboard, teaching them how to work the keyboard. And they go into uh, using iPads and things so that they never really have to learn to do cursive. It's, it is coming back in many states. Uh, it's not tested in any testing. The uh, No Child Left Behind or the Common Core does not test in any way handwriting. The problem is you go through grade school, high school at this time, and you may never really learn cursive. And then in your junior, senior year, you go to take the ACTs or SATs, you have to write a paragraph. And that can really blow things out of the water because if the person can't read what you're writing, you're not going to get a very high mark, and it's going to hurt your ACT or SAT scores. So please don't give up on handwriting. Work on it. Make sure you know it. But again, as I said, getting a sample in cursive is very difficult. Now, we can analyze printing. That is possible, but it's much more difficult because printing is broken up cursive. It's one letter at a time. It doesn't give you the fluid motion of how the person reacts all day long and in their under life. It just shows you minute by minute by minute by minute there's no connection. So it's much more difficult to do an analysis of printing, but it can be done. What some analysts will do, if, they, if all the person can do is print, um, they will add the connection letters. So if the, the person prints the word the, the analyst will connect the T to the H, and then the E, the H to the E to kind of get a feel for the flow. But um, it's very difficult to analyze something that is not in cursive. But as I said earlier in today's program, if you ask somebody, well, can you sign your name, they're going to say yes, and then ask them just continue writing. Sign your name and continue writing something else, anything that pops into their mind. Usually they'll be able to do it because most people at least have been exposed to some cursive so they can do it. There might be exceptions, but for the most part they're not. They have been exposed. But luckily more and more handwriting is coming back into the school systems. The second thing, 
Look for the most obvious trait that jumps out at you, that bites you. That is going to be the most significant personality trait. What you want to do by doing a quick analysis, especially if you're looking for a job or wanting to work with a company or a corporation, is you want something that wows them. So take an extra couple seconds, look at that writing, even turn it upside down, because once you turn it upside down, it looks totally different, and you might see something that jumps out at you. And then look at that and talk about that part of the writing because that's something that's really significant in their lives. So right away, you've hit something that hits a nerve and they'll say, wow, there really something is to this. And then thirdly, take a look at the slant and decide how expressive the person is. Do you want to get into the person very emotionally and ask them about emotional feelings or do you want to kind of pull back and talk about, you know, private things that the and that depends on that. A point of notice, if the writer is an emotionally withdrawn person, in other words, uh, way to the left, your analysis can be 100% perfect, and they won't let you know because they don't express their feelings. So if you're doing an analysis and the person uh, slants to the left and you tell them about themselves, they're just going to look at you and kind of stare at you. They know you're hitting it, but they don't express themselves. On the other side of the coin, if the person has writing slanted to the right and you tell things, they're going to get all excited. They're going to say, hey, this person is great. This person knows everything. This is amazing. This is really the thing. So the great thing is if you're doing somebody's handwriting and the cursive is to the right, you can really knock their socks off, and they will bolster you to other people because you have uh, hit their nail on the head plus they're the kind of people that likes to tell everything about everybody. So it's a three-step process in doing a handwriting sample, and it usually takes no longer than 60 seconds to look. Simply look for the most obvious trait. Probably look for two or three of them and talk about those, and then people will think you know everything about them. In fact, you don't. That's a great thing. I When I was doing... Um, counseling before I really got into using handwriting analysis. It took me a long time to find something out. But with doing a handwriting analysis, as soon as I tell them a few things, they think I know everything. And so they just open up and tell you things that you would never think they would tell. So uh, handwriting analysts, don't be afraid of giving a quick analysis. When we return, we're going to talk about a little bit about Document examining, how you can make lots of money being a document examiner. We'll be back in a few moments. You're listening to Handwriting Secrets Revealed on TalkZone.com with your host, Dave Grayson. Thank you. We've been talking about handwriting analysis, and now I'd like to talk about a, an aspect of handwriting analysis, a little section, which is called the document examiner or forensic forensic examiner. Uh, these are people who are qualified handwriting analysts, but they don't do handwriting an, analyzing. Um, they strictly go into the scientific area. So if you've got a scientific mind, you like to be precise and exact and use 
uh, magnifiers and microscopes and digital equipment, so much digital equipment now on, on, uh, that you can use for this, uh, then you may want to go on the document examiner. Do, as a document examiner, you make lots of money. There's time in between cases, but there's always lawyers looking for document examiners. And a document examiner is someone who will be an expert witness in a court. And the nice thing about being a document examiner is when the lawyer hires you, it's it'll take three, four, five, seven, eight hours of preparation for going to court. You just don't walk into court and make a statement. You have to bring in proof. You have to bring in diagrams. You have to bring in charts. So it's a lot of time, and you can charge a lot of money because it, there's not a lot of document examiners out there. But in large cities, there's, they're always looking for them. Uh, I know lawyers just call one. I get called every so often, would you do a document examination, and I don't. The reason I don't do it and the reason a regular handwriting analyst doesn't do it is because what happens then is you'll be on in court, and you'll give your presentation, and then the other lawyer will come and attack you and say, oh, so you tell about people from their handwriting? Ooh, is that Twilight Zone? Is that this? They'll kind of tear you apart. But if you have the forensic document examiner certificate, which is a whole different story, then that holds up in court. Then you can become an expert witness. I can be, I can be a witness in court, and I have been, as a handwriting analyst, but I'm not considered the expert witness, and that kind of changes it a bit. If you're the expert witness and you can find ten things that agree or don't agree with the document, usually it's settled out of court. So it's a very fine-tuned area, a very specialized area, very lucrative. There are many ways... Uh, which handwriting analysts can market for profit. And these include, like we've already talked about, uh, employee screening, doc, uh, personality compatibility, evaluation, graphotherapy. Well, today we're going to talk, as I said, about document examination, uh, which involves questioning of documents such as checks or contracts or forgery. A trained examiner that's licensed or not licensed, actually they're certified, can make $1,000, $2,000, $3,000 a day. That's no exaggeration. It's the going rate for court testimony by an expert witness. Even a student that's still studying it can get that amount of money because there's such a need for forensic documentation. For a victim of forgery, it can be challenging to prove their case. Some people's entire life savings and their whole business is at stake because of a forgery. Unfortunately, many attorneys lack the experience to properly handle fraud and forgery cases. That's where a trained expert document examiner comes in. Often these cases never get the jury. They are settled out of court or even dropped because of the the strong testimony that is given to a document examinator. This is a, there is a nationwide shortage of document examiners, uh, so it's a great way to apply your knowledge, and it's a skill that's very specialized hand, of, of handwriting analysis. 
Kurt Baggert is probably one of the foremost export document examiners in the country. And I recently spoke to Kurt about his experience in the field and how he got started. Asked to summarize what he does, he says, My job is to decide who wrote what. First and foremost, this requires a natural curiosity. Anyone can do this, but you have to have a Sherlock Holmes tendency to investigate. So you have to really want to get down to the finer uh, degree to be able to do this. One thing, just to give you an idea, one thing that a person will do, a, a document examiner, when you write, if I write my name Dave, D-A-V-E, it's never written the same. But when I write, there's different impulses from the brain that go into that writing. If you take my letter A in Dave and blow it up 50, 100 percent, you're going to see little marks and skips and bumps within that A. And if somebody has signed my name and they take that same A and blow it up and there's no skips or bumps in any of the same areas, that is one real big way of it's a forgery because my my reflexes, my brain all control how I write. And so we see the sig- the signature is on a piece of paper. It looks regular, but when you blow that up, that's where you see the little dots and marks and skips and um, protrusions that you don't see with the naked eye. Now, usually to become a document examiner, there's um, uh, a two-year on-the-job training program. Usually you have to work in an apprentice program. Part of that two-year job is usually six months to a year under somebody. There are several document examination organizations in the United States. If you just search document examiners, you'll find out a, a lot of information about it. Uh, one, there's several schools that teach it. Uh, mostly they specialize in documentation. Or it's also called forensic testimony. Handwriting University is one place that teaches it. And you can use the web, as I said, to find several schools that prepare for you to work with document examination, or at least be able to read it over, look at it, and decide, is that something you would like to do? But Handwriting University is a good place. It's the leading school for teaching document examination. So if you want to learn it, you know, check out Handwriting University. But just go to the Google, as we say, and and search document examination, and you will find exactly what I said. Lots of money being made, few people out there. They're looking for these kinds of people. You have to learn handwriting analysis first, and then you specialize in document examination. And you can learn the handwriting analysis. You don't have to learn it really in-depth to do professional analyses, but you learn enough to understand it so you can move over to the document examiner. Well, I appreciate you listening. I'm taking the time. This has been Handwriting Secrets Revealed. I'm Dave Grayson, signing off. Mm-hmm.